You're listening to episode 61 here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. In today's episode, we're talking about redefining and improving motivation. But before we get into the show, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And also stay connected beyond the show by following me on social media. You can find me using the handle at Keller Thinks across all platforms. And you can also stay connected by signing up for the Fight for Brilliance email. All you have to do is text the word brilliant to the number 33777. That's the word brilliant to the number 33777. Every one of us are already made brilliant. You don't have to create that brilliance and you don't have to wish you had it. It's already in you. But you're going to have to fight to find that brilliance and you're going to have to fight even harder to live out your brilliance. Now let's get ready to have a conversation that will challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. Welcome to this week's episode here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller. And I especially want to welcome anybody who's joining for the very first time. I want to say thank you for checking out the show here today. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'd like to encourage you to go back and even check out a couple of the previous episodes after this show and come back for a couple more even. I know there are so many great podcasts to choose. And so it does mean a lot for those of you who are making the Fight for Brilliance podcast part of your week every single week. So thanks for the support. I love hearing from you on social media and keeping the conversation going each week beyond the show. Now, this week's episode is the show that I've been promising on motivation. I tried to record it last week. After getting through it, I decided I want to clarify some things. I want to make this uh, better for you and add more value through this content. And so I sat down and re-recorded it. And in this episode... What I talk about is what is motivation and I help define that and then I also talk about what are the factors that motivate us in our lives and then I get really practical and give you some immediate things that you can do to improve motivation in your life. So with that, let's get into this week's episode that I'm calling Redefining and Improving Motivation. probably going to date myself here, but in the late 80s, probably through the 90s, there were these posters called successory posters. There would be this beautiful image surrounded by black framing, a large word that would you know, say something like dream, achieve, or any other aspirational word, and then a short statement below that captured the essence of that aspirational word. And I laugh at them now, but these things were staples in offices and homes. I mean, I don't know if you can remember, but if you would go into any office building, it seemed like you would see those at your dentist or wherever it was. And I mean, even at one point, I think they were printing like 2,000 of these a day and brought in something like $75 million in revenue from this concept of these posters that were intended to you know, motivate people based on what they saw and what they read. It's just really hard to believe that they were so successful at one point. And now, you know, maybe the modern day successories is this digital thing called social media where on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, you know, people post an image, 
with what's supposed to be, you know, something like a motivational statement. And I'm not making fun of that. I mean, I even post quotes and stuff like that. Uh, and I even like seeing it sometimes. But I guess the real question is, are they motivational? And then there's even a whole category of people who are so-called, you know, motivational speakers. And then if you look at how large the self-help category is, according to market research, the self-improvement market was worth something like $9.9 billion in 2016, and it's estimated to grow to $13.2 billion by 2022. So from success posters, social media feeds, and down to the people who make millions of dollars motivating others, what's certain is that there's a demand for helping people feel better and do better in their lives and in their careers. Now, what I would maybe question is whether or not those things are actually motivational. But regardless, motivation is something that is in each of us. Even those who might not be maybe as naturally motivated, and yes, that is actually a real thing, but regardless of the level of natural motivation that you possess, each one of us are motivated beings. And we even have the ability to improve motivation in our lives. But before we talk about that, and before I geek out a little bit on the science of that, I want to start out by talking about what motivation is, and then maybe even attempting to redefine it for you a little bit. Because that's really where it all started for me. I was just recently really diving into what it is that motivates me, what it is that motivates others, and was just really curious and wanted to understand the topic of motivation better. Because I don't know about you, but for me, it's some of these topics with things like motivation that just become such common language that we really don't take the time to do the work and understand them more. Because of that, They never take on their true meaning in our lives. And so that's sort of where I found myself just kind of tired of all the motivational bullshit that's out there and just desired to really understand what is motivation. All of this was brought on by a conversation that I was having with someone recently when they told me they thought that I was a motivated person. And I kind of laughed at that because although I do want to achieve things in my life, And for those of you who are familiar with the Enneagram, you know, my Enneagram three wing would line up with that. To say that I'm always motivated to achieve something is a whole nother thing. You know, I'm like most of you normal human beings listening to this, and I'd rather binge watch a great show than sit down and write a chapter for a book I'm working on or go out for a run or get a workout in, you know, or I'd rather eat a piece of cake with a lot of frosting on it each night instead of sipping on water and having fruit or popcorn as a snack. But being motivated to do you know, some hard, necessary things in my life, like waking up at 4 a.m. each day or focusing on what I eat, putting in effort to stay active physically, and just doing different things um, to constantly challenge myself and pursue new ideas, you know, these are not natural behaviors for me. These are learned behaviors. And the motivation to keep doing them, it requires me to constantly take a lot of action toward things that are uncomfortable, things that are frustrating, and often very difficult for me. What I naturally feel and what I'm motivated to do are not always the same thing. I can feel like sleeping in 
and I can still be motivated to get up and start my day early. And so many times the excuses we make to not do the hard and necessary things in our lives is because we say, I'm just not motivated. And to that, I might ask, is it that you don't feel like it or that you're not motivated? Because I think there is a difference. And so to explain this more, I thought I would share some of my journey in understanding motivation with you. And the place I always start when I'm trying to understand the meaning of something is I just look at what does that word really mean in context. And so let's do that with motivation. And let's first look at how the study of motivation is defined. The study of motivation is defined as a behavioral science that concerns those internal processes that give behavior its energy, direction, and persistence. Bieta Sauter is a positive psychology practitioner, researcher, and writer who specializes in motivation wrote, when behavior has strength and intensity, we attribute this to the presence of energy. When our behavior is aimed or directed towards some particular goal or outcome, it is said to have purpose. When the behavior endures and is sustained over time and across different situations, it implies persistence. Think about motivation like this. By definition, motivation is having a strong reason to act or strong reason to accomplish something. So motivation is not just a feeling that directs our actions, decisions, or behaviors. Instead, it is the reason or influence that drives and determines our actions, decisions, and behaviors. Just like protein is the building block of your muscles. Think of motivation as the building block for your behaviors. And I think what happens is we often confuse inspiration and motivation, and we call them the same thing. You know, take those accessory posters and motivational quotes or the speeches we hear from, you know, motivational speakers, for instance. You know, you might read those words, you might hear a great talk or hear an incredible story from someone. And just because you felt something like happiness from that story or hope, you know, from that experience, that doesn't mean it'll necessarily change or influence your behaviors. You know, I know a lot of people who have come out to watch me race in my full Ironman races, and they'll tell me how incredible it was to see me cross that finish line and even how emotional and moving they felt when they saw me accomplish such a challenge. But you know where they were the next morning when registration for the next year's race opened up? Probably at home, enjoying their coffee, having a good breakfast, and just thinking about how they're going to spend their day. They were not out there signing up just because they felt great and they were inspired by seeing me do it. And the problem is most of us are waiting to be inspired so that we can be motivated. Motivation is deeper and more complex than the feeling of inspiration that we get from what we see or hear from others. Maybe to help distinguish the difference between inspiration and motivation, I'd say it like this. Inspiration is felt and motivation is found. I'm not saying that feelings and emotions are completely removed from motivation, and I do think that inspiration can turn into motivation, but motivation is what gives you energy, 
direction and persistence. And it can be present without the contingency of what you feel and regardless of inspiration granting it permission. Motivation is about having a reason to act. And so those posters, the quotes, the speeches, you know, they are inspirational, but whether or not those inspirational seeds blossom into changed behaviors and into action is far too complex and such an individual experience that it can never just be boiled down to something as simple as if you see it or you hear it, then you will do it. And to quote Bieta Souders again, she said, like anything worthwhile, learning to increase one's or other people's motivation requires an investment of time and energy, and one must resist the temptation of simple solutions. So what motivates us? Every single one of us have the ability to be motivated and even improve our motivation. And motivation is something that you have to work for. And at the same time, it's something that is at work on its own already in us. The automatic motivation is sort of like the processor that runs the computer that I'm recording this podcast on right now. You know, I can't see what it's doing physically, but it's at work constantly telling multiple applications what jobs they need to perform. Similar to that would be the automatic motivations that are already happening inside of us. Take something like hunger or thirst. You know, for most of us, we don't have to motivate ourselves to get hungry. At least I don't. Quite the opposite. We probably need the motivation to eat less or eat more healthy when we do eat. But when it comes to basic impulses and what one researcher called emotion-rich motivations, which are things like hunger, thirst, anger, fear, anxiety, pleasure, desire, reward. When it comes to our brain encouraging us to act on those impulses and motivations, it's mostly unconscious, automatic, and impulsive. Now, without getting too geeky here, These automatic impulses and motivations, these are processed in one part of our brain, but then in another part of our brain, it looks different when it comes to motivation and it's not automatic or unconscious. In another part of our brain, this is where we process things like goals, plans, strategies, values, and beliefs about the self. These motivations are conscious, deliberate, and they revolve around cognitive or executive control. Where the motivation to react to things like hunger, thirst, and anxiety are triggered instinctively, it's things like deciding to wake up early, getting help for an addiction, or putting in the work to accomplish a goal. It's in areas like that where we really struggle the most because the impulse has to be triggered by us. And this is what is both difficult but also amazing about us as humans. We have a role to play in how motivated we are. All the responsibility for our motivation, it doesn't solely get assigned to genetic disposition or wiring in our brain. VP of marketing at Buffer, Kevin Lee, he wrote this, the brain can be trained to feed off bursts of dopamine sparked by rewarding experiences. You create the dopamine environment and the brain does the rest. Our brain is remarkable. By default, it will do the work for us. So in some ways, 
You can say you're not naturally someone who is motivated, and that could be true. You could be someone who genuinely has a naturally lower dopamine level versus someone who has higher dopamine levels and is more naturally wired to be a high achiever. But I just think it's so amazing that our brain is created to be able to be trained and adapt to something if we choose to put in the work and create the experiences for it to do that. So yes, the choice to accept things as is and lack in motivation, that's an option for you and you can keep functioning that way if you want to. But what's beautiful is there is another option and that is to do the work and to change that and become more motivated. In order to help understand what it is that's motivating us automatically versus what are the things that we have to trigger and put in the effort towards to be more motivated, let's look at how modern psychology categorizes and breaks down motivation. And I'm only going to scratch the surface on this because there's absolutely no way that I can do this justice inside of uh, one episode, uh, nor do I have the experience or knowledge to really fully expand this. But I do want to at least share what's helped me understand how motivation is at work in my life and I guess share my own interpretation of the science behind it. The most basic articulation of what influences our motivation. Again, there's way more to this, but just as a baseline and as a foundation is found by exploring just an ever-expanding conversation that's been happening in psychology around approach motivation and avoidance motivation. Now, I'm going to paraphrase how approach motivation and avoidance motivation is described by Kurt Lewin, who is referred to as the father of modern psychology. Basically, he says, approach motivation would be that your behaviors are energized by things that are positive. That could be objects, events, or anything that presents a possibility for you. Whereas approach motivation is where your behaviors are energized to avoid negative objects, events, or possibilities. Greek philosopher Democritus described it like this, the best thing for man is to pass his life so to have as much joy and as little trouble as may be. And then many hundred years later, Maslow proposed that human beings have two basic sets of needs, deficit needs that involve striving to eliminate a negative life situation and then growth needs that involve striving to attain a more positive life situation. And all of this really makes sense Because what we know is that the human brain is motivated to protect us from pain and it's motivated to allow pleasure. And so that's why maybe it's so hard to get motivated to lose weight or follow a budget. Our brain by default is motivated to keep us comfortable, even if we feel that there is something better for us. And I would guess that most of us have a terrible relationship with pain and Over the years, that negative relationship is cemented with each painful thing that we experience. It could be the pain from maybe repeated heartache that now keeps you from approaching new love. It could be the pain you experience uh, from the loss of a loved one that now keeps you from approaching connection with others. It could be the pain in your muscles that you experienced from yesterday's run that keeps you from approaching a new positive habit in your life. Our brain is fighting for comfort safety and security. So oftentimes what we'll do is we will avoid something if it's perceived as potentially painful 
even if it's a positive and helpful thing for our lives. And so in a lot of areas in our life, we naturally are more motivated to stay right where we are, to stay comfortable and to settle into complacency. And that's why it's not as simple as just thinking your way into being more motivated. It's actually pretty hard to fight the ancient ways of our brain and just think ourselves into behaving differently. Our thoughts matter, but you can't just think yourself into being motivated. Think of your thoughts like seeds and they have the potential to blossom, but those seeds require motivation to grow in much like soil. And then motivation is nurtured and that seed grows with actions more than it does with our feelings. Author and psychologist Morgan Scott Peck said this. He said, the difficulty we have in accepting responsibility for our behavior lies in the desire to avoid the pain of the consequences of that behavior. This is why we have to change our relationship with pain. Pain is either something that keeps us stuck or can be used as a very powerful motivation to bring positive change in our lives. We have to shift from staying in pain because of comfort to avoiding the pain that comfort is causing us. That desire to write your first book, launch a business, maybe make room for love or get healthy, it'll often be influenced by a desire to avoid the pain of having to live with not knowing what could have been if you would have made that change. And so for me, when I don't feel motivated, what I'll do is I'll grab my journal and I'll explore three really simple questions. The first question that I'll write down and explore is this, why am I avoiding this? The second question that I'll explore is, what negative possibility am I avoiding? And then the next question that I explore is, what positive possibility could I be avoiding? You know, these three questions just help me kind of acknowledge the pain that I perceive instead of, you know, try to avoid it. And then it helps me neutralize the positive and negative possibilities so that my thoughts aren't dominated by that perceived negative possibility that usually you know, tends to override the positive ones. The natural ability for our brains to motivate us to avoid pain is necessary. It's a survival mechanism, but it processes the possible pain from touching a hot stove just the same as the possible pain from rejection or failure that we might experience from choosing a necessary positive behavioral change in our lives. And that's why motivation to make positive changes in our life can be such a struggle. We really are at war with ourselves. One researcher wrote, our motives are always changing, either rising or falling with our needs, cognitions, and emotions, and are often competing against each other. The strongest motive will usually dominate our attention at any one point in time until a change in circumstances occurs and a previously subordinate motive comes to the surface. I look at it like this. Motivation is the byproduct of a circumstance occurring that shifts our desire. That's why things like just trying to reward yourself for others or using competition as motivation aren't always proven to be enough to create motivation or at least not lasting motivation. And inside of this episode, as I'm talking about motivation here, I'm looking at it from you know, motivation to do the things that are necessary to help us really live, lead, and create more brilliantly and more consistently in our lives. I'm not talking about, you know, just being motivated to do a meaningless task. That's where things like competition and rewards actually would probably help. 
But what I want us to see in our lives is sustainable and lasting motivation towards the things that help us fight for brilliance every single day in our lives. You know, there are a lot of different factors to what motivates us. You know, there's things like mastery goals versus performance goals and so on. But just to bring it down to kind of a core principle, I think the foundation for being more motivated is really rooted in accepting the fact that our brain is motivated to avoid pain and look for pleasure. And that's why you can't wait until you feel inspired to change. Your level of motivation to better yourself, to rebel against complacency and conformity is contingent upon the commitment that you choose to put in to doing the work that's required to being more motivated. You'll never be more motivated if you just wait to feel more motivated. That's saying that you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable is possibly, if there is a hack, it's the greatest hack probably to becoming more motivated. So what can you do to start being more motivated in your life? Becoming more motivated. I said it earlier, but everyone, that means the go-getters, the slackers, and everyone in between that, everyone has the same opportunity to improve motivation. And so what I want to do is close out this episode by giving you some practical ways to start improving your motivation today. First, let's address the issue of helping those who naturally aren't as motivated as others. This is actually a thing and not just someone's excuse. It's true. There are people who are more naturally high achievers and then there are those who are less inclined to be as motivated. And this is explained by looking at dopamine. Dopamine is just one of the neurotransmitters that plays a role in our motivation. Motivation basically happens when dopamine spikes because you anticipate something important is about to happen. And then it's that dopamine spike that encourages us to act either to achieve something good or to avoid something bad. And what we do know is that dopamine is not a static level and it can be altered. And so if you're someone who's not naturally more motivated, then it doesn't mean you're off the hook. It just means you're going to probably have to do more work maybe than someone else. And so what I want to do for all of us is look at some practical ways that we can improve dopamine production because I think that's a an easy starting point for a lot of us. And so one of those things would be this, get enough sleep. A lack of sleep actually reduces the number of your dopamine receptors. Another thing would be practice curiosity. You know, that's something as simple as maybe discovering a new song and that feeling of excitement of finding something new that you love and like that actually triggers dopamine production. So curiosity can help. Next would be eat enough protein. Protein rich foods contain amino acids and those are building blocks of dopamine. And so the amount of protein that you intake is important. Next would be exercise consistently. Now the verdict is still out as far as how much or how frequently or how far uh, you need to do it before it impacts your dopamine production. But Even with science aside, I can attest for myself that my commitment to exercise has greatly impacted my motivation, not just for exercise, but in other areas too. Then next would be this, 
track small victories. You know, something even as simple as a to-do list. What this does is it reinforces how you're actually chipping away at your goals that day. And by tracking small victories, this helps you gain momentum too and then build confidence. And confidence is really important because confidence helps you remove that intimidation factor that's associated with being uncomfortable. And next, recall past motivation. You know, what was it in the past that helped motivate you? There's actually a lot of power in recalling that and then applying that again. And then the last thing would be this, become more efficient. You know, whether it's that overflowing inbox or juggling family schedules or whatever it might be, getting efficient helps you feel more accomplished. And this actually leads to a higher flow of dopamine. Now, if you want to find out more, you can easily Google, you know, natural ways to um, improve dopamine and find a lot of things. And so that's a starting point for all of us. Almost all of those things are something that any one of us could do. And then the second thing that you can do to improve your motivation is define your reason. Simon Sinek said, achievement happens when we pursue and attain what we want. Success comes when we are in clear pursuit of why we want it. Motivation is having that reason to act or change a behavior. If you don't know what you want and you're not clear about why you're pursuing that, you're not going to find motivation. And even if you find short-term inspiration to do something, you will not find sustainable long-term motivation to stick with something. One of the things that I like to do to kind of get clear. And I think it's important if you're going to set a big goal and you want to be motivated toward it, you have to understand why you're doing it. And so um, I want to give you kind of a simple exercise to go through to get clear on your reasons for doing that thing that you're trying to do. And so first start by identifying a goal. You know, let's use weight loss as an example. Uh, I think most of the time, most people fixate on a number and the outcome. They they focus on things like, I want to lose 20 pounds. Now, that goal is necessary, but you can't stop there. It's not enough. The next thing I want you to do is write down the benefits of achieving that goal. And I like to encourage you to write down a combination of superficial benefits and meaningful benefits for accomplishing that goal. You know, for weight loss, for that example, one superficial reason might just be to look better, okay? And maybe one meaningful reason is to be able to set the right example for your kids or something like that. What I want you to do is just create an exhaustive list without overthinking it. The only thing I will challenge you with here is just dig deep for a meaningful reason and not just superficial or temporary ones. And then what I want you to do next is I want you to pick from that list one meaningful and one superficial reason that you feel are most important to you. And you're going to just label these and call these your motivational handles. And your motivational handles are what you're going to hold on to when you don't feel like it, when you don't feel so motivated. You know, it's that quick recall for you when you need a reminder of why you're doing what it is that you're doing. And I know it seems silly, but 
some days it doesn't have to be meaningful. And that's why I like just being honest with myself and even having those that superficial handle to hold on to. You, but you have to be able to go back and recall that why or you'll never stick with it. You know, our reasons, the why for what we do, they become our convictions and the belief that we hold on to keeping us motivated along the way. And our convictions, those are direct reflections of our purpose, intent, and reason for doing what we're doing. And you have to bring purpose and meaning into what you're trying to achieve. And then lastly, to improve your motivation, you have to practice self-discipline. I know this will sound obvious, but you can't just think your way into being a runner. You can't just think yourself into putting up with you know, a less than desirable job. Or you can't just think your way into showing up better in your relationships. You are required to move and take action. In the words of Peter Drucker, he said, plans are only good intentions unless they immediately degenerate into hard work. If you want to be more motivated, stop waiting to feel motivated and start taking action. I promise you the motivation will follow. When you know you've clearly defined your reason and then you combine that with practicing the discipline to show up regardless, that is when you start to see results. That's when goals get met and motivation increases. You know, it's been that way for me with running, with waking up early in the morning, with my writing, when it comes to parenting, you name it. The daily discipline to put actions to my desires is what creates motivation. Now, on a practical level, I just want to leave you with some thoughts that I think could help you become more disciplined because it's not easy. It is something you have to practice and you have to have uh, a system for, at least my personality type, I've had to force myself to be disciplined. And so here's just a few things. One, stick with something for a minimum of 90 days. 90 days is sort of an arbitrary you know, number, but it's also rooted in what's called the 2190 rule. And that rule states that it takes 21 days to make a habit and 90 days to make it a permanent lifestyle change. Now, there's definitely some things where it takes longer than 90 days for it to become a lifestyle, but I think realistically, most of us could do something for 90 days if we, can, if we just committed to it and remained disciplined. And then the next thing would be this, focus on the reward, not the loss. It's easy to get fixated on what we might be giving up or what we're losing. But you know, for me, with things like early mornings, I had to focus on what does it feel like when I have this extra time instead of what does it feel like when I'm losing this sleep? You know, what's funny now is I've been doing that for at least eight to 10 years probably now. And I actually am more motivated to get up early now because I'm fearful of losing that time. That time has actually become very precious for me. It's become very productive for me. It's the best part of my day oftentimes other than seeing my son. But as far as productivity goes, that is my most creative time. And I'm more motivated now to stick with that. But it took years of discipline to, to get there. And I had to just shift from, you know, looking at what I'm losing instead, focus on the reward. And then the last thing would be this, give yourself a backup plan. 
Now, I know there are some very you know militant thinking people out there, and they would never say there's a plan B. But I believe that you won't stay disciplined if you don't make what you're moving toward realistic. You know, there are just too many variables in our lives that we can't control. And so I think there's a lot of power in having a backup plan. You know, the way it looks for me is that I've decided that running each week is the consistent factor for me. I I don't want to compromise that. So I will run each week. And my goal has been to do that no matter what. And I've been able to stick with that. Now, the backup plan is often how far or how many days I'm going to run in that week. And so the backup plan is is not a cop-out at all from commitment. I'm just a huge believer in finding a rhythm that gives you the best chance to create lasting and sustainable motivation. And so a backup plan isn't an escape plan. It's a protection plan. Now I'll leave you with this. The fight for brilliance requires us to persist, to focus our efforts towards something greater and approach each day with intentionality. And understanding what motivation is and the role of it in our lives is a huge component of that fight for brilliance. And so don't wait to feel motivated. Fight to find motivation in every area of your life. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode here. I hope that you took away a couple things from it. And if this episode was useful and helpful for you, then I'd love to ask you to share it. You can screenshot it and share it across social media, uh, or you can send a direct link through text to two or three friends and let them know what you're listening to and share this episode with them. And then if you have not rated and reviewed the show, I would also like to ask if you would do that. It doesn't take very long. Uh, And all that does is that just helps people who are discovering the podcast for the first time, just kind of get an idea of the quality and what to expect. So I appreciate you doing that. And thanks to everybody who have already done that as well. And again, you can sign up for the Fight for Brilliance email by texting the word brilliant to the number 33777. That's the word brilliant to the number 33777. And I hope to keep this conversation going with you. Send me a message. Let me know what you took away from this show and this episode. And you can do that anywhere on social media. But I especially spend more time on Instagram. And so send me a direct message there. And you can find me using the handle at KellerThinks across all social media platforms. All right, that's it for this week. And until next time, I want to leave you with your weekly reminder that you... Yes, you, you are brilliant.